Right, for those who forgot what Les says and don't know me, I'm Graham. I'm also weird. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, shush. I'm, you're excommunicated, Liz. Um, now, I was sitting in the park, quite minding my own business, and a three-year-old came up to me, a little toddler, looked me in the face and goes, I said, hello. He said, you're weird. <laughs> right, so I thought, we're not allowed to execute them anymore. Um, so I said, oh, yes, yeah, so uh, why is that then? He said, your glasses. I thought, ah, so is that better? Is that better? And he said, look at your jumper. <laughs> right, so now I ask you, what is wrong with that jumper? I mean, I, <laughs> look, I don't want answers, all right? This is a rhetorical <laughs> question. So I said, well, this is my granddad jumper. And he said, my grandfather doesn't wear a jumper like that. <laughs> I said, well, maybe in 65 years' time, when you're my age, you're a granddad, you might wear a jumper like this. And the look on his face, he goes, you're weird, he said. And I ran off. OK, so I put my jumper down and I'll take my, sungla my sunglasses off. Um, but I'm hoping what he really meant was I I'm different, right? And as Christians... We're not weird because we happen to go to NBC. We're not weird because we come from Stroud, though many people would say that. Uh, we're not weird because of our dress sense. But I hope that we're different. And today, Paul's sharing a bit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 about how we are slightly different. Actually, we're seriously different. And I was basically intending for the youngsters to bring the bits of the reading up to me to involve the youngsters. There's not very many, so I looked around I thought... Who's a youngster at heart or young in some way or another? So some of you adults, you are pretend youngsters for this morning, okay? Um, so the first verse we're looking at, we're looking at 12 to 21, is verse 12. And who's the uh, verse 12 person? Oh. I can't call you a young person because you're actually older than me, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, this, this technology is older than both of us, okay? I, I did this technology because I could involve the children, but they weren't here. The other thing is the church is going through new technology with the computer, and I'm blowed if I'm going to get involved and be the guinea pig, so <laughs> we'll do that. Okay, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to appreciate those who care for you in the Lord and admonish you. He's actually talking about leaders in the church, um, but if you're a youngster, I suppose it's your teachers at school and you'll have new teachers next year. Some of you might be going to university. And uh, I was a right pain to my teachers when I was at school and it's only when I became a teacher and I recognised children who were like me that I realised what an awful job I'd given the teachers. <laughs> and happily, one of my teachers um, in Enfield was still teaching at the same school that I'd been at. And so I met somebody who'd been in the same year as me, and I said, could you, he's now working at the school with him. I said, could you give this letter to the teacher, please? And uh, he did so. When I saw the person who gave the letter to the teacher, he said, what did you write in that letter? I said, well, what's writing? In the staff room, he burst into tears. He said, you reduced a teacher, a 60-year-old 60, 60 man, to tears. I said, well, I just wanted to say how much I hated the English language and how much I hated English lessons. And um, his lessons, he turned the whole thing around. We looked forward to his lessons. And what a fantastic job he'd done. And he got me through O-level. And I really did appreciate 
okay, it was a few years later, what a great job he'd done. He said, yeah, but he was feeling absolutely useless. You know, he got to the end of his teaching career and thought, what good have I done? He said, your letter made all the difference. So, kids, if you want to reduce your teachers to tears, <laughs> tell them something good that they've done, right? Support them, because they are there for that. Who's got verse 13? Oh, thank you. There's two bits, I know, because I forgot one bit. I had to write it separately later on. Um, yeah. It carries on about our leaders. Hold them in the highest regard and, yeah, in love because of their work. Um, ask anyone who's been on a church leadership team. You probably get a lot of criticism, the flax there and so on. How few people come up and actually say, thanks or well done. And yet the Bible tells us to support them in many ways. And it's not just our church leaders. I'm just thinking of uh, the prayer we had earlier on about our politicians. Um, <laughs> I could list a whole thing that's wrong with our politicians at the moment, but th at the end of the day, they need our prayer and our support. And uh, recently, I sent an email to the Stroud MP because I noticed that there was a Christian event in Parliament and she had gone to that Christian event. And I just went to say, I know you're busy, you've got so much to do, and yet you took time to do that. Can I, as one of your constituents, say thank you for doing that? Now, I know from experience it takes about 20 days for a reply from the Stroud MP after you send them a letter or an email. 20 minutes later, I had a reply from our MP who was over the moon and said, thank you so much. I thought, what kind of emails have you been getting that you have to reply straight away to an email like that? And, yeah, we can tell our MPs when they get it wrong. But when they get it right, can we support them? You can say, as a Christian, I'm so glad you did what you did. So thank you for that. So let's encourage them when they get it right. Who's... Oh, I keep forgetting. This is the odd bit. I, l I left that bit out. Um, <laughs> I nearly forgot it just now. Live in peace with each other. As Christians, we often knock each other, don't we? If I would say, put your hand up if you haven't been knocked by another Christian. That's interesting. Not a single hand's come up. You haven't been knocked by another Christian. Just one. A lot of us have. Let's hope it's not us who does the knocking unnecessarily. Um, yeah, the last time I think someone said to me, I say this in love. I thought, you didn't say that in love. <laughs> Please live in peace with each other. We're living differently because the world doesn't do it that way. Who's got verse 14? Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, John. Yeah, verse 14 is quite long. It says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. I'm a bit puzzled by the way this was translated because the word urge there is actually encourage. And the word encourage is console, not quite such strong language in the original. Um, but urging, to encourage. I do believe that any one of us can encourage. You don't have to have a great spiritual gift, but any one of us can do that. There are some things we can't do, but any one of us can encourage. And that bit of consoling the weak... Thinking back to school days, who was the least popular person in class if it wasn't us? Um, it must have been somebody else. 
And how did we respond to them? Did we encourage or console them? Who's the least happy person at work? Who's the least happy person you know? If you go to some meeting, who's the person who's sitting on their own? They need consoling. There was one kid in class who was very unhappy. He was, he was pretty grim. I felt God say to me one day, cycle home with him. I said, Lord, he lives up a hill. <laughs> uh, I just felt God saying, cycle home. And I just kept him company. And he was feeling so lonely and nobody liked him. And I cycled with him. And it's really lovely. My granddaughter had a bad day at school because she's got Bell's palsy. And uh, a girl said, can I cycle home with you? She said, but you don't live where I live. And she said, I'm still coming with you. And she bought her an ice cream on the way. As far as I know, it's not a Christian. And yet she did that. So there are people who need us just to give them a bit of time and attention. Often the world won't. And that bit there about be patient with everyone. Um, I've had a problem with my garage doors that go back to last March. Not March, just gone, the March before. <laughs> One bit broke. And the bloke came round and said, oh, we haven't made them for a long time, you know. Um, uh, can't get the bits. That'll be a whole new garage door. Great. And when the garage door turned up, it was the wrong colour. And the bloke who fitted it didn't fit it properly. So I wasn't rude, but I did say, I'm rejecting this under the Sales of Goods Act 19-whatever. And so uh, someone came along and uh, said, oh... No, no, well, the colour's faded. And I said, no, the colour hasn't faded. There's a difference between dark brown and this red cedarwood thing, you know. And it was a very long story, but they, they came back, I think it was about nine times in total, and every time something else went wrong. I remember the last time when they finally fitted, they drove out and hit the gate, and thought, oh, great. <laughs> um, that, wasn't the lot, that was when it fitted properly. Um, anyway, eventually they had come, and... After it was, Yvonne, was it July they finally fitted it? And, uh, but apparently, the, the, the owner of the business said, you know, we hate complaints, but we actually looked forward to coming and dealing with your complaints. He <laughs> uh, said, you were so nice. <laughs> I said, well, it's difficult running a business. But I hoped it showed that we were Christians, because he then got talking about complaints and he said, oh, my wife, she deals with people who complain a lot. She, she's into one of these, oh, one of these over-the-top churches. It's a Baptist church or something. And uh, she said, uh, they are really good at getting in with people. And I said, oh, I go to Baptist church. <laughs> and uh, I suddenly thought, if I had been like most people, like the world, and I could have been, um, what would my Christian witness have been like? But, you know, God gave me the patience with them, and they actually appreciated that, Christians do make a difference. So I know there's some people we do want to wring their necks, but God says, be patient. Who's got verse 15? Oh, thank you. That's lovely. That was a long one. Good, I had a youngster. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Always strive to do what is good for everyone else. And it's so natural to return wrong for wrong. And I thought back at the number of times I've done that. And I thought, what did it achieve? It never solved the problem. But if you do what's good to those who don't deserve it, it will 
make a difference. A bit like the garage door, but I'm sure you can think of examples where by returning good for evil, it has made a difference. I'll leave that bit there. Who's got three verses, 16, 17, and 18? Ah, that's lovely. Thanks ever so much. All right. This is difficult. A bit higher. It's the overhead. Is that my voice or the overhead? Okay. <laughs> Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. But this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, the translators have a problem here that the Greeks have a tense that we don't have. Apparently, we've got 31 tenses in English. Um, the Greeks have far less, but they've still got one we haven't got. It's this present continuous problem. The Greek is really rejoice and be in a state of rejoicing all the time. You are a rejoicer when it says rejoice. Uh, when it says pray continually, you are a prayer 24 hours a day. That's what it's saying. And when it says give thanks, you are thankful all the time. And it's hard to translate that. So bless them, the translators have done it this way. And they did spend 20 hours on every verse of the NIV. So what they say is rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, I find verse 17, um, pray continually, very easy. I'll be honest, I have a problem with verse 16 and verse 18. Uh, let's be honest, there are times when we do not feel like rejoicing there are times when I don't feel like giving thanks. But the Bible says do it in all circumstances. And it's been a very tough two weeks. And I have to say now that the irony is I'm speaking on rejoice always and giving thanks in all circumstances. I'm the last person who can do that at the moment. So if anyone has been through these things and can speak to me afterwards, I, I need it. Please, I would appreciate it. How do we do that? People can. I've had a bit of help from one or two songs like Blessed Be Your Name and things like that. But I have got a problem here, so I'm going to pass over that bit now. It's just that, please, I'd appreciate some help on that. Um, verse 22. <laughs> ah, there it is. Thank you, Peter. That's lovely. You still... Oh, you've sealed it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish to unseal this and open it up, spiritually as well as physically. Right. Hold on to what's good and reject every kind of evil. Um, to be honest, I find it difficult to reject every kind of evil. I think all of us have got certain areas of our life where there are circumstances that are bigger than us and they're not good. And what do we do about it? Um, I don't know if anyone knows how to capture a monkey. Do you know how to do it? You've been in Africa? You get a weight that's too heavy for a monkey to lift. You have an opening in it that's big enough for a monkey to get its hand in. You make sure it's small enough so that when the monkey's got something in its hand, he can't get it out. And you put a pile of peanuts in it. And along comes a monkey, peanuts, puts his hand up, gets hold of it, He's trapped. He can't walk off with the trap. He can't get his hand out. 
And apparently, every monkey holds on to the peanuts. You won't let go. And you captured a monkey. But <laughs> it's a very serious question for Christians. What are we holding on to that's actually trapped us? If we could only let it go, we would be free. Okay, we lose that. But can I leave that with you? What are you holding on to when it says, reject every kind of evil? Don't hang on to evil things. Similar story from Africa. Um, there was a monkey, again, who was interested in vultures. And they used to fly overhead. Loved vultures, fascinating creatures. And one day he discovered if you had a, an odd bit of something you'd nicked from a hyena and you threw it out in the ground, the vulture would land and you could watch the vulture munch it. And this monkey used to enjoy it, throwing bits of food. And gradually he ran out of food until one day the vultures got as far as him. <laughs> you can guess what happened to the monkey. <laughs> and uh, someone said, well, you can't stop vultures flying overhead but you don't have to feed them. So we can't stop temptations coming our way. And they're bigger than us, they're stronger than us, and they'll destroy us. But we don't have to encourage them. So, okay, I have a problem that there are things that might appear on television or on the computer that fascinate me. I thought, no, I shouldn't be watching that. I cannot hit the off switch. So now I realise that there are certain bits of the television you don't look at after nine o'clock. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's stronger than me, so I hide from it. So when it says, reject every kind of evil, don't go near it in the first place. It may mean giving up certain friendships even. Some people aren't helping us. I had a nephew who was a drug addict and was homeless for several years, and uh, I saw... Uh, well, basically, he was a Jamaican kid. He was adopted. And I was going on a coach, and I saw a Jamaican driver. And I said, look, excuse me, do you know so-and-so? He goes, oh, yeah, man, he's the other one. You know, I thought, oh, good, I'm not going to be done for prejudice here. And he said, hey, he got in with the wrong company. He said, nice kid. If he hadn't been in that company, it would have been okay. So let's keep away from certain circumstances. Some of you will notice I've left out verses 19 20 and 21. I haven't because I feel that so, so much hinges on that and I wanted to put the hinges to bring it all together. So, last one, Samuel. I know what you've done to that envelope. <laughs> oh dear, here we go. You can clear this mess up afterwards. <laughs> there we are. Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt and test them all. This is such a big subject. It's a, it's a talk in itself. So I'm going to be very, very brief. But this is something that happens in all churches, in my experience, at some stage, and maybe it will get repeated a generation later. There are problems over what the Holy Spirit does because some are all for it and some are all against it, and so on. So very briefly, it can be scary what the Holy Spirit does, but don't quench it. And when people have words of prophecy, um, don't treat it with contempt. Um, what is prophecy? The Bible does ask us to ask for the gift of prophecy, so I believe it's still around today. But in my experience, having got the gift of prophecy, I, could, I did actually ask God he could have it back. Um, honestly, I've discovered that being a prophet means you have to say the sort of things you do not want to say and you have to say it to the sort of people who don't want to hear you. 
And it's, it's, that, it's that difficult sometimes. And uh, it can cause prob- problems. But it is there. The Bible is very clear. Test them all. Um, how do you test these sort of things? Um, I did have a, one person I knew of who was at a meeting where a lot of people were praying in tongues and there was interpretations. And it, he thought it was going a bit far, but he didn't understand these things. He thought, what do I do? The Bible says test them all. His first language was not English. So he then prayed the Lord's Prayer in his native language. And it was quite amazing, the interpretation that came out. It was nothing to do with the Lord's Prayer. And at that point, he said, I know this is not genuine. And that was his way of testing it. Um, he shared it with somebody later on. He said, that was, you treated us with contempt. And he goes, no, I didn't. I was testing it. So don't reject what the Holy Spirit does, but do test it. The Holy Spirit doesn't mind being tested. He wants you to. So on. Um, that will cost you the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I asked the Holy Spirit to do something in my life because I was at a prayer meeting and I was just so washed out. And I said to the Holy Spirit, look, I need you to do something in my life, but I don't know what, and I won't lay down any preconditions. And <laughs> Yeah, the Holy Spirit did something supernatural, which one or two members of the church objected to, and in the end, for the sake of peace, I actually left the church. So this could well happen in our church again be prepared for it and let's love people and test it I have to keep that brief um, because we are out of time Um, just to finish what's going to be the result of us as Christians following 1 Thessalonians and living differently yeah people might still say we're weird and I think one of the reasons is because it's going to cost other people. So when someone does a job for me, a builder or someone like that, cash please, and I say, no, I want it to go through the books. They say, yeah, but you're having to pay, I'm going to have to add VAT for you. This bill's going to be 20% more expensive. I'm a Christian, I, I feel I should pay my taxes. What? What they also mean is that they're not paying income tax on it as well. And um, when I was in one job and I filled in my travelling distances and my timesheets and my expenses, it blew what was going on with everybody else. And it went right to the top of a local government department. And they resented it. They told me I was being unprofessional, I was letting their colleagues down and so on. And uh, the bloke at the top had me and he said, I'll give you, you can leave this job tomorrow. He said, you can't stay here. I thought, well, why am I the one who pays the bill for what's going on? And he said, said, I promise you, I will go through this department with a tooth comb. But I found myself very unpopular. So to live this kind of life, it's going to be tough. Some will respect us. My, uh, My brother had a friend who saw the most unlikely person from school days in the church years later. I said, I'm surprised you became a Christian. He said, well, I was watching you leaders of the Christian Union. And he said, I wasn't happy with the pain I was to everybody. And he said, but you really were happy. So I became a Christian as well. So some will respect us. Just to finish, I think one of my least favourite songs, it's not a Christian one, it's by Old Blue Eyes. You know the song? I did it my way. Yeah, you know, I hate that song. I really do. Um... I was thinking, but come Judgment Day, 
Will he be able to sing that song in front of God and say, God, I did it my way? And if he does, what would God say to him? Well, as, uh, as Christians, you ought to say, I tried to do it your way. What would God say to you then? And I was thinking of uh, an old hymn what we sometimes sing. Just go to the last verse. It's by, uh, I think it's Isaac Newton. Um, Glorious things of the spoken. I think most of you know the hymn. And the last one says, last verse says, Saviour, if of Zion City, I through grace a member am. Let the world deride or pity. I will glory in your name. Fading is the worldling's pleasure and the world's lifestyle. All his boasted pomp and show. Solid joys, lasting treasure, none but Zion's children know. That's true of us. Let's live it. Let's live differently.